Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Saving money on protecting your garden. Now at Menards. Messina's Animal Stopper is a liquid repellent that prevents pesky animals from damaging your garden. Available in a convenient, ready-to-use bottle. It lasts for up to 30 days, regardless of weather and watering. Save big money on Messina's Animal Stopper at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals happening now. Hi, I'm Mary Steenburgen, and Bobby Gentry is something cool. Bobby Gentry was a singer, songwriter, musician, and producer whose first single, the enigmatic Southern Gothic narrative, Ode to Billy Joe, rocketed to number one on the pop charts in 1967. And just a few years later, Bobby herself would disappear from public life, enveloped in the same sense of enduring mystery as that of her biggest hit. It was a third of June, another sleepy, dusty Delta day. For the next half hour, join me and the singer-songwriters, Jill Sobule. She was a storyteller, and she played guitar. Roseanne Cash. Her voice is so authoritative. She knows what she's talking about. Susanna Hoffs. She was in touch with this thing that was so delicious. Evie Sands. She was beautiful. She had a great voice. She was a songwriter and a musician. Kelly Hogan. She had enough money to, like, flip this turquoise ring birdie finger and say, see ya. She was fly. And she was Southern. And author Tara Murtha. She was one of the boys when it came to musicianship, and she happened to be beautiful also. As we head deep into the Delta and beyond for something cool, Bobby Gentry. Good evening. I was born in Chickasaw County on my grandparents' farm in Mississippi, and we lived about 16 miles outside of the nearest town. And I can remember working real hard all week. Bobby Gentry was born Roberta Lee Streeter in 1944 in Chickasaw County, Mississippi. Her parents divorced when she was a baby, and her mother, Ruby, took off for California. Her dad was around, but Bobby spent most of her childhood living with her grandparents on their farm. From a very young age, she loved music. Author of the 33 and a third book, Ode to Billy Joe, Tara Murtha. She really liked to listen to New Orleans radio. She liked Ella Fitzgerald, and she would play show tunes on her piano. Oh, cover me with Dixie's... Rumor has it her grandmother traded a dairy cow to get that piano, which Bobby taught herself how to play. She wrote her first song when she was seven years old. In 1957, when Bobby was 13, her mother Ruby sent for her. Ruby was newly divorced from her second husband and living in Palm Springs. Ruby played a three-quarter Martin parlor guitar, and Bobby picked it up easily. Right away, she and her mom began to make music together. Singer-songwriter Jill Sobu. 
There was one reel to reel that it seemed like it was from, I don't know, high school. And it's her and her mother singing together. In the night when I want you, you hold me tight whenever I want you. All I have to do is dream. Some teenagers, probably related to her, recorded over it. So you hear these beautiful traditional songs, and then all of a sudden you hear boys telling fart jokes. Is Lord Cushionbloom, Lord Cushionbloom, would you please give the audience a slight demonstration and then announce yourself? <laughs> and they weren't even very good fart jokes. In sunny California, Bobby was exposed to brand new influences, hula, Latin jazz, bossa nova. A true musical prodigy, Bobby absorbed it all. She was happy to move to California. Though she'd been eager to get the hell out of Mississippi, she never rejected her southern roots. Singer-songwriter Roseanne Cash. It's a movable feast. You know, I was born there and I took it with me when I left, even though I didn't even realize it. And I think it's probably the same for Bobby. Her, the imprint of the South never left her. It's not tortured relationship, it's a conflicted relationship at the least. Bobby wasn't just a musical prodigy, she was also a business prodigy. She and Ruby began to play clubs in Palm Springs, Los Angeles, and San Diego, and right from the start, Bobby was in charge. Tara Murtha. She was the agent. She would call the clubs and book the shows and was in charge of the money and of paying people out. This would be the early 1960s. This was not what you'd expect the girl in the grass skirt and the bikini to be doing. Jill Sobule. She was a really strong woman, and hearing about her mother, Ruby, was a strong woman, too, that she got that from her. Not only was Bobby the money man, she had a keen instinct for what would be commercial. She originally intended to be just a songwriter, probably understanding that publishing is where the money is. But Bobby also understood that her looks and charisma could be marketable too. Tara Murtha. At the time, it was a choice. Bobby wanted to be a songwriter, not a performer. That was her primary goal, to be a songwriter. She was aware of her beauty and of how to use her beauty to her advantage. Singer-songwriter Susanna Hoffs. She is the authentic person that is singing the songs, writing the songs. And it didn't hurt that she was gorgeous and a babe and strong. She had it all. In 1963, Bobby Gentry recorded two of her first tracks. Duets with Palm Springs rockabilly singer Jody Reynolds. Neither song went anywhere. I don't know you anymore or just what's on your mind. She continued playing the local circuit, supplementing her income with modeling gigs. One day, Bobby was in Jody Reynolds' music shop strumming one of her own compositions when another local musician overheard her and said, that is a hit record. He was right. That song was Ode to Billy Joe. 
Bobby recorded a 12-song demo, which ended up at Capitol Records. The slow seven-minute ode to Billy Joe was intended as the B-side to the more upbeat, country-fried Mississippi Delta. Famed arranger Jimmy Haskell laid string arrangements over Bobby's spare guitar plucking and vocals. Capitol decided to cut the song down and make it the A-side, and Bobby Gentry was on her way to superstardom. Roseanne Cash. It was like a bolt coming out of the radio. It was almost akin to the first time I heard the Beatles. Third of June, another sleepy, dusty Delta day. It was immediately captivating. Evie Sands. From the very first line, it was the third of June, another sleepy, dusty Delta day. Oh, tell me more. Billy Joe McAllister jumped off the Susanna Hoffs. The bossa nova thing seduces you and forces you into its rhythm. Then the string part with the almost Indian bend. It's so cinematic. Roseanne Cash. You know, how often do you hear that? A really stark acoustic guitar with strings and have it work so seamlessly. That was quite a trick they pulled off. Jill Sobule. The story and her voice creeped me out so much. But I was so attracted to it. And she and Billy Joe was throwing something off the Tallahatchie Bridge. Kelly Hogan. I mean, I was like five, six, and seven, trying to figure out what the hell was going on because it was very mysterious and sultry. There was some sexual overtones, but I didn't know what. Bobby Gentry's voice has texture for days. You don't often hear women singing in that lower register. Like when somebody's rocking you, you know, it's almost like this intimate thing. It's like biscuits. <laughs> I don't know. She's got this amazing, sensual, but non-passionate delivery. This wasn't just a pop song. What was amazing, how this got on the radio. It was both narrative in a way, and it was also almost stream of consciousness. Like I was just sitting there, part of the dinner scene or whatever she was describing with her family. Joe never had a lick of sense. Pass the biscuits, please. Pass the biscuits, please. You're at that dinner table. You're inside that story. It comes to life in your imagination. Not many songs do that. It's like a Walker Evans photograph. You can see it all in black and white. And then she leaves it unresolved, which is like Tolstoy. It's so powerful that she never gives us an easy answer. I always say like the best songs are like finding a letter at the bus stop from somebody in prison, you know, just little details, the images come alive. Jimmy Haskell's strings are perfect. It marries that Delta Blues country pop thing that very few people did well. They're mysterious and they're chilling. They mimic the drop off the bridge. Ode to Billy Joe's shot to number one, propelling Bobby Gentry to a stratospheric level of fame. Capitol scrambled to produce and release a full album. They ordered half a million copies. Bobby and her hit song were everywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, warm welcome to our Mississippi River Delta Queen. My next guest is one of the most beautiful and talented ladies these sparkling blue eyes have ever seen. Bobby Gentry. Bobby Gentry. Miss Bobby Gentry. <laughs> Gentry. Audiences love Bobby. She was beautiful, and her voice and presence were instantly captivating. More importantly, she appealed to both the cosmopolitan and the country folk because she was authentic. Her it is 
She had just a nice, easy kind of personality about her, very down-home. Evie Sands. She seemed to be just like one of the folks. Susanna Hoffs. There's an authenticity to it, and that resonates with people. Kelly Hogan. Just hearing the South on the radio, I mean, that's the South right there. Tadpole in the moonshine bat. Especially the vernacular in her songs, it's all duck on a June bug, which is one of my favorite things about it. I'm glad you could come all the way up from Chickasaw County. Thank you, my pleasure. I'm glad to be here. It's always nice to see you in Nashville. Thank you. Have you been in Chickasaw yeah, County, have you? Yeah, Houston. Sure, have you been in the Delta? In the I lived Delta. in the Delta when I was going to school. Mm -hmm. That's where the Tallahatchie Bridge is yeah. from Choctaw Ridge. Yeah. Jill Sobule. I feel like it wasn't a label or a management that said, this is how we're going to package you. I have this feeling that she knew what she was doing and she did it. Plus, she had that amazing hair and her outfits and she was gorgeous. I thought she was hot, but she kind of just looked like my mom and all my mom's friends. Kelly Hogan. They were wearing, you know, chain belts and mini skirts and the beehive. She always kept her fall in the closet and I was afraid of it. Susanna Hoffs. She was not afraid to embrace her own beauty. And why not? She was smoking hot. She certainly could move. She made camel toe all right. Ode to Billy Joe won four Grammys in 1967. In 1968, Gentry recorded her second album for Capitol, The Delta Suite. Bobby continued to mine her southern roots, balancing them with lush pop arrangements, easily fluctuating between going uptown and staying down home. Tara Murtha. Some of what she does is called country because of the rural imagery and themes, but the structures are pop. She's a pop composer. Kelly Hogan. You know it's a Bobby Gentry song, the strings, and so she kind of took that and ran with it, I think. Jill Sobule. There was something very sensual and fantastical and so different from my world. And here she was doing it in this deadpan, Peggy Lee, is that all there is way? And that was stunning. It was in 1968 that Bobby entered into one of her most famous collaborations with Glenn Campbell. I bless the day I found you. Their album went gold with three hit singles and the duo toured and made numerous television appearances together. Kelly Hogan. When that Glenn Campbell, Bobby Gentry duet record came out, it was just on the wall at Kmart. It was in your little Columbia Records circular. Roseanne Cash. What's interesting about their voices together is you can hardly tell who is who. <laughs> she sings the low part, like Melba Montgomery and George Jones. She's not that little Dolly Parton butterfly. She's anchoring everything, swampy. You know, she's got the gravity, and she's holding everything down. Susanna Hoffs. There's something about the timbre of Bobby Gentry's voice that it pops into the foreground of the sonic space that she's singing in. 
She has a husky quality, nice tone, and just a beautiful delivery. Where did you night and I think that's why people like Glenn Campbell wanted to sing with her. People just fell in love with her. Tara Murtha. She was one of the boys when it came to musicianship, and they respected her for that. By all accounts, Bobby Gentry was in charge of her career, creatively and financially. She made wise investments, business and management deals, and maintained a tight control on all her holdings. She's a very astute businesswoman. You know, with the money she made from Ode to Billy Joe, she put toll gates on the Tallahatchie Bridge. (laughs) However, by this time, she was struggling to be taken seriously by record company executives, and sometimes her own band members. Evie Sands. There definitely was that, as they say, you know, the good old boys club of where women were not either welcome or they were not encouraged, or if they somehow got in the room, they sat alone in front of their locker. Roseanne Cash. Women in the music business, particularly in that era, were, you know, there's pressure put on them about what to record and how to sound and how to present themselves. You know, it was, how do we make her appear fuckable? Evie Sands was a singer-songwriter contemporary of Bobby Gentry's and remembers the landscape of the late 60s music industry very well. The easiest thing for a woman to be accepted at was a singer. Being a songwriter, yes. There were quite a few women who had tremendous success. Carole King and all of those wonderful, amazing writers. Being a musician, now that was a little bit of a horse of another color. There was a little bit more resistance to being taken seriously, and the female would have to be, you know, ten times as good as a guy. And to be a producer, a woman who would be producing records, really very tricky to be accepted and to be given the opportunity to do it, even to be given the opportunity to fail. It was really important to have radio play for music. Women were lumped into the category of women. The program directors would say, oh, we just played a woman (laughs) at noon, so the next time we can play a woman is not till 8 o'clock tonight. Kelly Hogan. It's just a constant battle. And yeah, she paved the way. She got that machete out and paved the way for a lot of folks. You know, I was just singing about Mississippi. And I don't get to go home as much as, as I'd be the light to. But there's one thing, one thing about it. It's really always so, so peaceful. Bobby's seductive magnetism continued to charm fellow artists. She sang with Bobby Darin, The Hollies, Noel Harrison, Johnny Cash, and in 1968-69, she hosted and produced her own series on BBC television, featuring guests such as Donovan and James Taylor. Her next album, Touch Em With Love, though critically acclaimed, would only feature two original Gentry compositions and yield one hit, Burt Bacharach's I'll Never Fall In Love, which signified a departure into more pop standard territory.
1969, Bobby married Bill Hara, the casino mogul. Bill, I love you so. Bobby was called a gold digger and harassed by the paparazzi. The marriage lasted only a few months. Evie Sands. Definitely challenging to find a balance to have a successful professional life. I mean, we're always working. We're never off. I mean, you never say that to a guy. Well, how can you be a husband and a father and have a job? But in 1970, Bobby would get way back to her Delta roots with her fifth album, Fancy. I remember it all very well. Looking back, it was the summer I turned 18. It was recorded at Fame Recording Studios in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Bobby co-produced the album with legendary Muscle Shoals producer Rick Hall, who often referred to her as the female Elvis. Fancy was classic gentry storytelling, poetic, unapologetic, and sassy. In the song, a backwoods girl escapes poverty by becoming an uh-huh, lady of the evening, all at the request of her own mother. Kelly Hogan. I think fancy is a trip. The details in that song are just insane. The roach crawling across her high heel shoe. I can see the wallpaper. There's so many specifics. Susanna Hoffs. It's like literature. It's like reading a great novel. She was one of the great writers of the South, like Eudora Welty. Roseanne Cash. Or some of the great blues musicians, like Helen Wolf and Robert Johnson. Of the song, Bobby said, Fancy is my strongest statement for women's lib if you really listen to it. I agree wholeheartedly with that movement and all the serious issues that they stand for. Equality, equal pay, daycare centers, and abortion rights. Just be nice to the gentlemen, Fancy, and they'll be nice to you. Here's your one chance, Fancy, don't let me die. In 1971, Bobby, alone, wrote and produced her final album for Capitol. Patchwork expresses a world weariness and desire to return to a simpler life. Bobby has said that of all her albums, Patchwork is the one of which she is most proud. Won't you look down on me, Lord? You know you've always been my friend. After Patchwork... Bobby left Capitol Records and took her act to Las Vegas, staging elaborate productions that were a far cry from the simple girl with a guitar. Of her Vegas shows, Bobby said, I write and arrange all the music, design the costumes, do the choreography, the whole thing. I'm completely responsible for it. It's totally my own from inception to performance. I think she was pretty much in charge and had a vision of how she wanted her shows presented. Evie Sands. And she did it at a time that was pretty interesting to go there and do what she did in those times as a solo woman. Bobby pushed boundaries in her Vegas shows. She dressed her male backup dancers in nurses' outfits and performed a segment in drag as Elvis. In 1974, 
Bobby hosted a short-lived variety show on CBS called the Bobby Gentry Happiness Hour, but clashed with censors. CBS wouldn't let men dance in dresses. Tara Murtha. The producer was the producer from Hee Haw. You made another rent, you was gone. And that was not Bobby Gentry's vision of her television show. In 1976, Bobby married a man named Tom Toutant and again was divorced in less than a year. In 1978, she married singer Jim Stafford, with whom she had a son. They, too, divorced in under a year. Well, we married. Oh, yeah. So, so we were into dating and, and heavy petting and just about everything. And Bobby and I are no longer married. She wouldn't tell me what they threw off that bridge. And... On Christmas Eve 1978, Bobby was a guest on The Tonight Show. After that, aside from a handful of appearances... She disappeared from the public eye. There ain't much time to say goodbye, but let me try while we have a last cup of coffee. No one can really say why. They can only guess. Maybe she got burnt out in the business. That happens to a lot of people. It's tough, you know. It's not an easy business to be in. And maybe fame is an occupational hazard. Maybe she decided it was too great of a hazard. I don't think she intended to draw a line in the sand or perform a big vanishing act. She accomplished what she wanted to do, and she had made her artistic mark. She may have found some incredible personal, private happiness in such a way that she felt she just did not want to go through the BS of the business anymore. What I love about her going garbo on us, she just said, you know what, I'm done. Well, I could stay another day, but I'm afraid you want me to say I love you. I think it's hard to be an artist in the music business, and I'm underlining business that's just more difficult for some people. I was listening to that record Patchwork and that last song on it, Looking In, she's telling you right there, I'm tired, I can't ever get any rest. And that thing about sacrifice and how she won't compromise, she's telling you right there, you know, flip that birdie finger and go play putt-putt. So I spend my days thinking up new ways to do the same old thing. Seasons come and go and I spend my nights in the bright spotlights wishing I could let the people know you can't win or lose unless you play the game like Ode to Billy Joe Bobby Gentry's story remains an open-ended mystery Something Cool is produced for HAL by Rachel Lichtman and Sarah Thayer. Sound mixing, Kevin Dippold. Graphic design, Sean Tejirachi. Special thanks to Jill Sobule, Susanna Hoffs, Evie Sands, Kelly Hogan, Tara Murtha, Roseanne Cash, and me, Mary Steenburgen. Extra big special thanks to Bobby Gentry, wherever you are. Join Something Cool next time 
as we take a groovy trip down the Sunset Strip with a stylish 60s collective known as the Girls Together Outrageously, or GTOs, narrated by Michael DeBar and featuring Alice Cooper, Pamela DeBar, Gail Zappa, Miss Mercy, and Legs McNeil. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Save big money on protecting your garden. Now at Menards. Messina's Animal Stopper is a liquid repellent that prevents pesky animals from damaging your garden. Available in a convenient, ready-to-use bottle. It lasts for up to 30 days, regardless of weather and watering. Save big money on Messina's Animal Stopper at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals happening now. Save big money. 